Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Sean Shoot. Jack unfortunately can't be with us today, so we'll send him a get well soon. And if there's no rustling, then we know who to blame. The matchup we'll be getting into this week is 2004's Man on Fire against 1993's The Fugitive, as we continue our quest to determine the greatest action movie since 1990 i see who will face Gladiator in round two. How are you both doing? Yeah, good mate, thank you. Yourself? Not bad, not bad at all. Good films this good, week. Good, Had any of us seen The Fugitive before? No. Had... No, no. Sean, had you seen Man on Fire before? I hadn't seen Man on Fire either, no. Also a treat. Completely fresh week for you. Yeah, but... first in pod history. Yeah, well, we've got Man on Fire to start with, and then we'll get into The Fugitive. So, Man on Fire. Watch you, Sean, have you got some hypotheticals for us this week or not? Uh, yeah, um, not for Man on Fire, though, only The Fugitive. Don't you worry, because really... I've got some for Man on Fire, too. So The only thing I can really think of for uh, Man on Fire would be, like, if you could kidnap someone, who would it be? <laughs> Christ. <laughs> who would you want to kidnap? That means you <laughs> kind of want to be with them. And your alibi's done for, then, as well, Sean. If you yeah. get arrested and someone says, well, it's funny because on uh, the 43rd edition of Movie Madness, Sean did say that he's <laughs> always wanted to kidnap Dakota Fanning. But again, that'd be the perfect crime for someone to frame me, as they have with the rustling. Well, we'll see how we go. <laughs> so anyway, Man on Fire, synopsis. In Mexico City, a former CIA operative swears vengeance on those who committed an unspeakable act against the family he was hired to protect. Did you enjoy it, Sean? I enjoyed it, yeah. All right, because the critics weren't too kind, so I'll take I'll take you through them, and then we'll get into the trivia, our thoughts on the film, and uh, break it down. So. This is a merely average film that had much more potential. High-involving revenge thriller featuring yet another top-notch performance from the great Denzel Washington. A down-and-dirty revenge tale that packs an emotional punch. Visually, the film is nice, but the images are in service to a violent and ugly film. I don't know what they were expecting when they read the synopsis. It's also, yeah, I was going to say, it's a film about child abduction. It's hardly, <laughs> it's hardly going to be a walk through of flowers, is it? Um, I couldn't help thinking afterwards how harebrained the whole adventure was. Yet, Washington is so charming, so charismatic, so heroic in his role, he makes the movie. Man on Fire is more cerebral than Rambo and more polished than Death Wish, but despite an elegant patina, there's a nostalgic streak of vigilante justice bracing the spine of Brian Helgeland's talky screenplay. Talky screenplay, sorry. All I could think of was Breed Hangeland when I read that. Imagine him just before he starts at Fulham and he's writing Man on Fire. <laughs> Shamelessly manipulative, 
and sadistically violence, a new low for both Washington and Scott, and one of the nastier bits of business in quite some time. I have a quick question. Nastier bits of business. <laughs> that gets me every time. Um, <laughs> I genuinely don't know what Denzel's low is. I'm not sure if I've ever seen him in a film that I didn't enjoy. Um, there's some that I was only seeing yesterday that I definitely need to see because I've not seen uh, Deja Vu. That's ah, uh, so you make a good point. Actually, that's not fantastic. same. Same director, I believe. Um, I've not seen um, Book of Eli. No, I've never seen that actually. But they're like the ones I've watched. Like people, people sleep. He was in the Magnificent Seven. I actually think I actually don't mind that as a remake. As remake <laughs> as remakes go, there are a lot worse. It's He's... odd that Chris Pratt is in there trying to be serious, but that's another thing. But Denzel's There's... still good in it. Post production grade on the moment where he plays Lord Macbeth. Mm, I should see that. I there's you a shouldn't lot. Say, you shouldn't say the name. No, it's only on the opening night, mate. We're good. <laughs> we're we're okay. Um, the people, the people that are outraged about uh, Idris Elba playing James Bond are not going to be happy with Denzel playing Macbeth. Probably. So he stuck two fingers up there. But there's that is an absolute worldie for him because there's a lot of there's a quite a nice chunks of dialogue and a good couple of monologues including one at the end after he realizes what's happened so I'm yeah i actually good watched watch. the um michael fassbender version just to see how good that would be no okay no i've never seen that i watched it when we were at school and i remember reading it and it was there are some big old as you yeah. quite expect <laughs> in a play there's some big chunks of speeches so denzel be well there there's yeah there's no blatant low point when i I'm even like down he didn't I much ado like, about nothing, so he's not he's, he's not new to uh, to Shakespeare. Old English. No, I uh, really like the taking of Pelham one two three with him and John Travolta. And yeah, I like that. that. Um, I don't don't genuinely know how much of a low. It's like if everything is an eight, a six is technically a new low. But but a load of the films that we bad. like, people will slag off. Like Two Guns was slagged off. Really, like Magnificent that. Seven was definitely slagged off. Safe House was slagged off. Unstoppable was slagged off. I like Safe House with him and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. 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 Uh, Inside Man, him and Clive Owen, I think it's a great film. I don't know if it's a detriment to uh, Safe House that I just associate it with um, No Church in the Wild for the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, same. But I think that's anyway. a good thing rather than to its, de- to its detriment. Um. Giving credit to Mexico City as a very special place after spending two hours depicting it as the worst hellhole in the hemisphere shows how clueless the director can be. <laughs> Isn't it not like one of the murder capitals of the world, Mexico City? <laughs> well, you call it a very special place after because I, I, I did think, I'm sure they just got permission to film there, so they probably had to give a, a thanks is why they've done it. Yeah, and a Mexico City tourist board saying you can't just leave it leave it on that note. <laughs> the chemistry between Washington and Fanning is the main reason why the story works. Without it, Man on Fire would just be a big, dumb, loud music video. <laughs> this movie isn't just about a kidnapping, it is a kidnapping, and we're the hostages. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> whether you like whether you like the film or not. I mean, you could literally walk out. There you can fairness, walk out of I wouldn't have been happy with you today if you hadn't watched it, so maybe you're a hostage to me. No, I have I have watched it, don't worry. Don't panic. 
Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It just it's one of those things. I don't think that review. Did you pull that off Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. I don't believe that would have come out in 2004. Do you I strictly we... take um, the, the critics' the reviews as well. So not no no. I, I take a variety of the critics' reviews, not audience reviews. Oh, okay. Where the critics' reviews are horribly low on this, yet the audience review is proper high. So yeah, I can see that. I just don't. I just don't get that. That's a ridiculous one. But carry on. Sorry. Man on Fire awakens a genuine sense of bloodlust in the viewer. <laughs> I was legitimately like cheering him on as he's dismembering these people. Yeah, fair. Quite laughing along with it as well. I was having a look at my court myself in the, the reflection of my TV at one point. <laughs> what has this film done to me? <laughs> but then when I watch Saw, I don't want them to get out of the trap either. That sums you up, that does, doesn't it? Type of guy who always cheered for the bad guy in the movies. Yeah. This epic-length film delivers the breathtaking action and violence the genre fans require and does it with gritty realism that drives it home with a thudding, visceral impact. Overlong, off-putting, and at times, sadistic. And finally... It suggests that John Creasy, J.C., is a Christ figure, scars, prayers, acting as saviour, but where Christ overcomes evil with good, J.C. uses heavy artillery. So there you go. I could have brought about 80 reviews of just, this is far too long, this is nasty, why have I been forced to watch this? Although surely a film about people who are quite literally kidnapping children. Yep. What are you expecting? Yeah, it's not like they're taking random members off the streets. No, they are targeting that they are targeting the children of rich people. So it's never yeah, not be... even. I don't mean not even they're taking random people off the street. Like if it was Denzel just going around on a killing spree <laughs> yeah. for random people, then fair enough. But also, I mean. After the kidnapping, it becomes a revenge film. Surely, revenge in itself is slightly sadistic as a concept, because you're you, you're only doing it to heart, you're only doing it to, to yeah. negatively affect someone. You know, there's no no revenge that's positively impacted someone. Whatever. Do you remember Maybe the first, when there was that Call of Duty mission where you no were the terrorists? No Russian. And and they said essentially like you can choose whether you do it or not. Surely nobody chose not to play the mission. Yeah, no, like you could skip through it, but also you could just walk around when you play it. You didn't actually have to shoot anyone. Hands up in the air as soon as they put that light machine gun in my hand. <laughs> Mos- <laughs> Mos- Moscow Airport got lit up. <laughs> uh, baggage handlers were getting it and all sorts. I remember on the newest one, um, I don't know if you played the campaign off it. No. I quite literally just play the campaign and then sell it. But there's a thing where you, you go in into this like trap house and this woman puts her hands up and what happens is she then pulls out a gun herself. Yeah. And there's a baby there. Mm. And if you shoot the baby, then it just refreshes you back and you have to do it again. If you do it again, it refreshes you back and have to do it again. And the third time it says, this is literally a baby. What are you doing? (laughs) I didn't know that. 
But again, as if no... you've shot a baby three times. No, I I wondered what would happen if you did do it because uh, I'm not very good at it, so I couldn't afford to be taken back. Spurs okay. are losing as well, by the way. Points to consider here. I just have one. We were going through Denzel's uh, IMDb. We spoke a lot about Hall of Fame runs on the last podcast. Dakota Fanning has a Hall of Fame run here. 2003, she's in Cat in the Hat. Possibly one of my most quoted films ever. Shite. Unreal film, genuinely. If I watched it now, I'd still laugh. She's then in Man on Fire, and she's then in War of the Worlds straight after. Is that Hall of Fame? It's Hall of Fame. Cat in the Hat alone. I wouldn't say Hall of Fame. I I genuinely think this film is the only one of those three that's above mediocre. I didn't want to have to reach for this. She's in Charlotte's Web after. Again, maybe it was an eight. Uh, no, what are you in Charlotte's Web? About 2006? Yeah, she's doing one a year that's big time. Okay, so. 03, I, 04, 05, 06. I might have been above the target audience for Charlotte's Web at that stage. Same with Cat in the Hat. Sensational. Terrible. Wow. It's, honestly, what's the name of that little, the other little kid that's in it? Conrad. Oh, yeah. The, the actual actor. I don't, yeah, whatever. Maybe it's the character. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else, but God almighty. Just that, that's enough to put me off. Alec Baldwin is it, <laughs> so over, so over the top in it. It's, and that, that's Alec Baldwin. Right You're complaining over the top in Casting the Hat. I know, but come on, mate. It just I'm glad you've me. seen it because I do like doing the oh yeah that he does. Oh, I hate it. Spencer Breslin is the name of the main kid. No, oh, isn't he the brother of the girl in um, Zombieland? I feel like I've read that. He was in... Wasn't in Zombieland. No, isn't it? Isn't he related to the girl in Zombieland? Have I read that before? Oh, no, I, just make I, it I don't know. <laughs> He's in a lot of things that you won't have seen before. He was in The Happening, which might sum things up quite well. I've no idea what that is. Do you not remember? It was the one that they ripped off in Scary Movie 4 but it was meant to be like a uh, damage to the planet kind of one uh, M. Night Shyamalan oh, okay. with Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel and uh, John Leguizamo who I'm at war with oh, Okay, for the record yeah he is related to the girl that's in Zombieland yeah can't get past that with John uh, Leguizamo <laughs> Do you remember oh, when he tweeted boy. you? Do you remember yeah. when he tweeted you? Because <laughs> I kept asking him, why did he have to do that to Carlito? He just wanted to have to settle down with his kids. Yeah. He told me to get back on the meds. Anyway, trivia. The kitchen scene between, between Creasy and Peter, where she asked him about concubines, was mostly ad-libbed. It started when they accused each other of smiling, so that wasn't in the script. Um... Mickey Rourke and Denzel Washington did not get along during filming. I do like that when it's not just all happy. He hasn't quite challenged him to a scrap at the Coliseum like last week. Yeah, but they're not not fans. Mickey Rourke might have been. I don't mean to. I don't know if it's slanderous, but he was well documented for having his own troubles. So I don't know how deep 
in 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 into it he was. So it might have might have something to do with it. Who knows? Dakota Fanning took piano swimming as Spanish lessons for her role. Jesus, fair play. Denzel spent ten days with advanced weapon training specialist to prepare for the role. His was a lot more interesting than hers in that case. Mm. She's doing Spanish lessons and he's getting out his RPG. <laughs> Dakota Fanning had a stunt burper because she couldn't do it. I feel like that's a scene you didn't need in there. <laughs> if you can't burp, you could just do something else. Yeah, fair. Uh, Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning bonded on set by playing ping pong. I wonder if he let her win. That's what I was thinking. Denzel <laughs> really lost some rallies while they're doing it. Denzel just smash, just smashing the ball, just hitting big smashes against a six-year-old child. Uh, the kidnappers are modelled after the famous Arizmendi gang, who made three hundred million in ransom in six years. Jesus. Marlon Brando was a, was the original choice to play Rayburn. Tom Cruise, Robert De Niro, Will Smith, and Bruce Willis were all offered the role of Creasy, and they've all previously worked with Tony Scott. Don't know about De Niro. He's probably the only one that I could vaguely picture doing it. Bruce what Willis. De Niro. Bruce Willis. You can see doing it. Yeah. Bruce Willis. It's basically Bruce Willis in every. It's basically John <laughs> McClane. Just a dr- yeah, heavy, heavy drinking, haggard, right. weathered. We didn't. We definitely didn't need it with Bruce Willis then. Mm, I think it's more watchable with De Niro there than Bruce Willis. No, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, I uh, well, no, I don't really see it with De Niro. I don't know why. I just don't. But with Bruce Willis, like I say, it's genuinely the last 10 films he's made. Just replace Cop or Soldier or, or Will American Smith's a Soldier. bit too polished. His his way yeah. of being like run down in Hancock was essentially squint his eyes a bit to look tired. Yeah. Okay. No, I get I get you. Bruce Willis Tom, definitely Tom Cruise we definitely didn't need. <laughs> No, it'd be a bit like... Have you ever seen Night and Day with him and Cameron Diaz? No, <laughs> Good I feel like I'm one of the only ones that has it. I feel like he approaches it with the same... Almost as, even though the films are in no way related whatsoever. Just when you said Tom Cruise, I get that sort of energy from him. <laughs> Tony Scott had Mark Antony look at a picture of his real daughter to get him more emotional. So Seems cool. <laughs> Around the same time, he was also getting married to Jennifer Lopez, so... Decent old time for him. Mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua was offered the chance to direct the movie, but he was already busy with production on King Arthur 2004. The goat film. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay was offered the chance to direct this movie. We didn't need that, did we? More explosions. There's no way he only uses <laughs> that RPG once. It was two hours 26 with Tony Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, Christopher Walken was originally offered, uh, was originally chosen, sorry, for the role of Samuel Ramos's lawyer, Jordan Kaufis, but Walken wanted to play the role of Rayburn to break away from just playing bad guys. He's a phenomenal bad guy, though. You, you know your big time where essentially he can say, look, I know you want me in this film, but I'm not going to play him. You can pick me to be him or I'm not going to be in it, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Because from my memory, like I'd not seen it in so long, I just watched the one scene. I did assume that Walken was the bad guy the whole t- the whole time until I realised no, he actually is just his mate. No, he's just his mate, no. Yeah, 
Um, he's also really, like, he's really only in the first half of the film as well, hasn't he? He's not really in the last He half. sprinkles in a, a bit afterwards, but yeah, he just kind of pops up to, like, he's the only one that really knows Creasy, so they use him to sprinkle yeah. in some backstory throughout. As we've seen, action stories, they don't really want to give you too much background and waste time doing it, so just pepper it in throughout, and you'll be saved. Uh, in the original filmed ending, Creasy does not die in the car on the way to the voice's house. The two meet and chat for a while about the price of human life. Creasy continually looks down at his watch. When the timer reaches zero, Creasy smiles, then the entire house explodes, implying that Creasy used the rectal bomb that he'd used on Fuentes earlier in the film. Tony Scott cut the scene because he felt it didn't fit with the tone of the rest of the film. Mm, yeah, fair. Would have been a hell of an yeah. ending, though. We don't need we don't need to see Denzel go out with something that shoved up his ass, do we? <laughs> uh, two sex scenes were filmed, but then cut. One was between Creasy and Lisa. The other between Lisa and her husband, which you see the start of. Lisa getting about. <laughs> uh, while in the film, Peter survives the kidnapping and Creasy dies at the end. In the novel, Peter is killed by the kidnappers and Creasy survives. Uh, author AJ Quinnell wrote four more novels featuring Creasy and was working on a sixth at the time of his death. And the deleted scene showed Samuel cutting off his lawyer's head with a sword. So that was deemed a bit too much, obviously. <laughs> Some points to consider. Um, Sean, as I know, you didn't have many for this. And I've got one specifically for you, actually. Oh, Jesus. So Denzel, when he's in the car, essentially having his interview, is completely upfront about his drinking. What's the worst thing you've heard of someone doing slash saying in an interview? In an interview? Yeah. What? Well, you work in, uh, well, worked in recruitment, so oh, I assume right, you've got okay. some tales. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you really I wish you gave me more time to think about this. Uh, it's the worst thing I've heard of someone do. I mean, I've heard of someone like turn up with no shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Just walked into an interview with no shoes on. Uh, what? And then like another, another, a separate person's also turned up with flip flops on. So, what was. They were wearing trainers, were they wearing just socks or literally nothing? No, 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 just socks. Just socks. I think they, I think they, well, I asked about it, or maybe they brought it up. I can't remember which way around it was, but then I think they just said, like, yeah, I I couldn't find any and I knew the interview was was at this time, so I thought I'd come anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've heard of people that have just like stormed out crying because they couldn't do something. Um, People like swearing, those usual stuff. I could probably, if you'd have given me more time, I could have probably asked around and found out a bit more. But the shoes one is probably the best one that I can think of. Have you ever had a horrible interview yourself? Uh, not not myself. No, I've had ones that have been bad, obviously, but haven't gone well. But nothing that would be a tale that would just be I've, like not I've, knowing the answer. I've probably told you before the one I had where I think it was probably 2014 before I started working with uh, Keenan, where I knew I was going to be out of one job 
because it was coming to an end and I need another one. And on a Saturday morning, I went to do an interview at Gap in town because uh, it was like someone knew the person who worked there said, hey, look, it'll be great, this, that. So I went in. This woman didn't look pleased to see me. And she said, I'll be with you in 10 minutes, so just have a look around or whatever. So I did add a little wander around. And then she walked up to me and she said, uh, oh, uh, can't help but notice you just stayed in the men's section. This is going to be tricky for you now, isn't it? So <laughs> that was a test. And I thought, what the hell is? She went, you've got to pick out these outfits for me. You've got to uh, go and pick one for a pregnant woman who is on a cruise and wants something to wear in the evening something that she can wear in the day when she leaves the boat and has a day looking around. <laughs> so I picked out these outfits. I think for the evening, I'd picked out like leggings and a nice top or something so she could be comfortable. And she went, ah, so size eight leggings and a size 13 top. Does that seem right to you? I thought you just wanted the outfit, but she was just like staring through my soul. And then she went, well, we'll be in touch. And I thought, you're definitely you're definitely not going to be in touch. How and, have you uh, she... submitted yourself to that shite? <laughs> well, you've got to work, haven't you? I know, but come on, man. I you... have, I've had... It was one of them where I was like, even if I get the job here, I'm not taking the job. <laughs> Can't be doing this. <laughs> I had, um, well, once it was an okay interview, but just from weird questions, I got asked, like, if you could be any soup, what type of soup would you do? <laughs> yeah. In the for the company I work for now, the first time I worked for them, um, I got asked something really similar. I got asked if you were a biscuit, what biscuit you would you be? Um and then what my you go for? digestive. No, chocolate digestive. Pretty much everyone likes them, don't they? Their class. Um seems to go down. <laughs> is that what you go- said as well? Is it just a <laughs> Yeah, genuinely. They, 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 it seems to go down really well, actually. I thought, come on, how serious can this party... It's yeah. right at the end of the interview. How serious can it be if this is what you're asking me? And then like, the woman interviewing me just chuckled and was like, yeah, fair enough. And you then should have went, done it like in the internship where they get asked the question and they're suddenly being shrunk down and they're yeah. in the box <laughs> going on and on and on. And then they then she asked me, in the case of a zombie apocalypse, what would you do? I <laughs> That's I mean, my go-to pod opener when there's no news of the week. Oh, I think, fair enough. Well, I mean, to be, it, 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 I can't have done that piss poor because I got that, I got the job that time, left, came back, and now I've been working for the same company for like three years. So I must have done all right in one of the interviews. Cause... Well, I now want to know what soup was Sean. Um, well, I said, I said chicken, I said chicken and noodle soup. God, Great soup. Yeah. And my Great reason, soup. there my isn't reason a good soup, is there? Well, everyone always says tomato, uh, which is basically the wrong answer. Um, so I said chicken noodle, and then it was like, because you can be more adaptable, because you can be grilled, you can be fried, you can be roasted, so looking on the on the chicken side, and that was the answer, basically. Christ. Should have said soup of the day, really. <laughs> whatever, whatever, <laughs> soup of the day, yeah. Soup de jour. I mean, I did have, I think I had an interview that lasted, the worst interview I've ever had, it was lasted like 20 minutes. Yeah. Got there. The person clearly didn't want to be there either. <laughs> Asked me a couple of questions and then left. Well, I said I, before when I did the one for the for the bookies in a particularly rough area where we live, and when he said, 
Would you be comfortable during an uh, armed, not um, an armed raid? Yeah, no. you know what? I think I would. <laughs> yeah. Bouncing off, bouncing off the walls. This is what I come to work for. <laughs> no, I've never had any finished trust because uh, I once uh, once went for an interview at a law firm um, <laughs> to do something with our computers. I worked out inside the space of three minutes that I wasn't getting the job. <laughs> we, I got two questions into this first test, and I was like, oh, fucking hell, got no chance." That one for the bookies. Um, when they phoned me back, they said, no, you interviewed really well. She said, I genuinely wouldn't feel comfortable putting you in this situation. <laughs> That's nice of them, though, because they could have just fed you to the walls. I think fuck. part of it was I didn't drive, so they were like, the nearest bus stop's going to be like 15 minutes away. Okay. I don't really want you walking around here at this hour. Where where um, where um, was the buckets? Um, in a rough part of Gloucester. Care to tell me which part of Gloucester? I don't know if I'm going to... Uh, I'll tell you after. Okay, that's fine. All right, Connor. So, other points to consider. I had... If anyone noticed, the Latina version of Hey Mickey is playing while Denzel's interrogating the guy in the car. I know. <laughs> I didn't I notice that. Yeah. Um, the amount of candles in that one room, they should have been just as worried about fire as a kidnapping. It was insane. <laughs> that's Catholics for you. I can say that I am. <laughs> I thought at the start the, the like early like slow mo scenery setters with the like flash transitions were yeah. very two thousands, mm. and yeah, I can tell that it's the same director that did Deja Vu because I've not seen it but I've seen the trailer and it's the same kind of thing. And a lot of the critique for this film is that they say like someone just can't hold the camera properly because it's just wobbling around with these flashes and zooming and out, see little slow-mos and things. Deja Vu is a great film, though. What did you think with the kind of captioning with the, like, um, keywords and things sometimes where it was subtitles? I actually didn't mind that. I quite, I quite liked it. I yeah. thought it looked quite cool. I think I didn't I didn't really enjoy some of the, as you just touched on there, the the cuts and the yeah. weird camera views, but the uh, the captioning I thought was quite good. Keenan? Oh, I, uh, like the, we'll come to it later, but the way the kidnapping scene is shot is all these transitions you, you're talking about, and I actually really liked it. I, I knew I knew the plot of the film. I couldn't, wouldn't yeah. have been able to tell you the specifics, um, but I actually really liked it. But no, the, the captioning, I don't, it's, I don't, some of it, I don't, it's just hard to explain without making me sound like a tit. But it um like almost it gave it I don't want to say a comic book feel but that's what I'm trying to get out some of it yeah I know what you mean uh, like, a lot like of with the some of the graphics transitions are traditionally what they use when someone's drunk and they're trying to portray that the person's drunk but as much as they kind of hint at him being drunk his character development character development is essentially he's not drinking for the second half of the film and that's half one of the things we're supposed to notice. Yeah. He's gone without his whiskey for a day. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. It's something that plays to this. Just plays to like the pace at the moment. The trans, like, I, I, I get what you mean. Is it over overused? Probably. Um, but for this scene, that scene in particular, I do think it works. It plays to the pace of it, and like. Almost the adrenaline rush. I've never been shot in touch with it won't happen. But I imagine there's got to be... Paintball's bad enough. 
yeah, exactly. But when you're doing, when you're there and you're trying to save that young girl who obviously develops that he cares quite fairly deeply about, it, there's got to be he some loves. form of adrenaline. Yeah, there's got to be some form of adrenaline rush to stop him from just being shot in the shot inside the shoulder and dropping to the deck. So it, I think it just plays into that quite well. It makes it snappy because it's all short, sharp shots, isn't it? Because it's transition, 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 yeah. etc. Rather than sort of like a long sweeping Please. frame. She's got to be doing. Better in running away, in my opinion. Well, she runs back. Talk yeah, running what's away. she playing at? He's just been shot, and it's all for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, my other question I had, so the same guy who's uh, being interrogated while Hey Mickey's playing has had his fingers and his ear cut off, and still all he wants is a cigarette. I was wondering if a cherry Coke or a burger would settle me in that moment, and if there's anything you can have in that moment that can tone you down even slightly, what would it be? Would a cigarette do the job, Keenan? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'll be honest, no question. Because he looks he looks proper chuffed when he gives him the cigarette. Well, he just knows what's coming, doesn't he? He's worked out. So it's just one last deep exhale and gives you time <laughs> just to make your peace. If I'm, if I'm all tied up with my fingers off and then someone pulls out a Big Mac, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm going... At least I'm dying with this one little bit of Big Mac sauce. Genuinely, genuinely, if he would have poured him a, not a Jack Daniels his bottle, but if he would have poured him a whiskey and gave him a sip of that, that would probably do the trick. That or a fag. What about you, Sean? Can anything settle you in that moment? <laughs> probably not, no. But after the change the radio station, question, ice cream was in my mind. <laughs> Because that would probably actually cool me down as well. Well, brain freeze while you're dying. Brain Crikey. freeze, yeah, yeah. Because so that, then that's what I'll be focused on. I won't be focused on dying. I'll be focused on the brain freeze. I'm not don't, sure that's true. I don't know. Lo- I think losing an ear and losing half your left hand <laughs> is probably going to shine through. <laughs> All right. If we go on to the categories, so. Well, I, actually, one one other yeah, thing I was going to say is when, uh, like, why does she run back? That's, you just said she's a maniac. <laughs> she's it's got a lot of bottles. Would you ever run back at that point? I'm sorry. I, I know there's no man left behind and all that, but I'm gone, girl. Well, we've got a comparison, haven't we, with the fugitive, with the bloke leaves his, his man in the, in, the tr- in the train just to yeah. get out the window and says every man for himself. Yeah, correct. He knows what he's about. <laughs> you would do that, wouldn't you, as well? I wouldn't, but only more so for my own guilt that I think I wouldn't be able to cope with it more than I need to save this guy. <laughs> so that's as honest as I can so be. So you selfishly save someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if we go on to the categories, um, rewatchability, two hours, 26 minutes this is. So what are you thinking? Not, I, not I, a big one for for me, probably. Um, I said I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but I wouldn't be in a rush to watch it again. No, I mean, I mean, in comparison to to others, I think it, it makes it sound very dumb when I say this always, but you don't have to think about this one so much as some of the other action films that we'll have. Like, I've not seen it, but I can imagine Edge of Tomorrow, you're going to have to kind of be tuned in a bit more when we get there. Whereas this is, is quite simply girl kidnapped, Denzel tracking down everyone that's, that's played a part in it. Yeah, yeah. 
Hour and 20 is when Denzel first kind of goes into action. I would say the first hour, first like 50, I think it was like 52, 55 minutes or something to the kidnapping scene. For basically, fuck all happens for the first hour, doesn't it? And <laughs> it's like, essentially this is... showing this is a decent man who likes a drink. Yeah. It, He's I know not it very happens. personable. To sell the rest of the film, they sort of have to give you character and a lapse of time. Because if he was there for 48 hours, got kidnapped, and he was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to kill everyone. Yeah. It would be like, all right, I feel like this is more for you than anyone else. But at least when there's, you, as you say, like, you love her, Crystal Walken says, oh, it's the girl who showed him it, it was okay to live again, etc. You you form the connections. It sort of makes sense that this guy from the French Foreign Legion, who's about about it anyway, would might go out and enact this revenge. But other than seeing Christopher Walken be Christopher Walken for like five, for five six minutes, Nixie happens in the first hour, doesn't it? And it is still waiting for you to do a Walken impression. But I tried last night, and it's not it's not good it's not good enough to be heard by others. <laughs> so I'll keep working on it and I'll come back to you. It's a bit like be a bit like Travis Bickle in the mirror, but Sam's the killing. Um, yeah. I I think it's rewatchable, but uh, not as rewatchable as I thought because there was more time until it kind of really kicks up a gear than what I remembered. Yeah, give it its due. Once it starts, fuck me, yeah. don't start. But it's just it's yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm like Sean. I don't think I'll rush for it. If, if we go into the quotes, then I've referenced it, I think, on every pod so far. Maybe my favourite movie line ever. The elderly man says in the church, they say to forgive. And Creasy says, forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. In the iglesia dicen que hay que perdonar. Forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. Unreal. Yeah, it is. It is very cool, isn't it? You Made don't need cool to say anything story. else after that. The the bloke's face kind of sums it up, where he's like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy's on one." Made better by the fact that he then just slides the window open and launches that RPG. <laughs> out. Like it is very good. Um, a man can be an artist in anything, food, uh, whatever. It depends on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. Come yeah. On. Um, you move, you make one sound, I'll snatch the life right out of you. If you understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. What's going on? That's what I want to know. What is going on? Huh, Sam? Let me ask your wife a couple of questions, okay? You move. You make one sound. I'll snatch the life right out of you, you understand? That same scene where Lisa says, what are you going to do? He says, what I do best, I'm going to kill him. Anyone that was involved, anyone who profited from it, anyone who opens their eyes at me, she says, you kill them all. Easy for for her to say from back in her house. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, When he kills, goes to kill the, the the first guy he kills, okay, my friend, it's off to the next life for you. I guarantee you won't be lonely. Yeah, that, that's unreal. There's, there is. I don't. Obviously, I've never read. I've never read. Well, you got book. a lot of rustling there from someone. I don't know who it is. Go on. I've never read the book, so I don't. No. I don't. I don't know what the dialogue's like in the book. But if that's come from, if that's like directly taken from the book, then fair play. Cause that's unreal. Well, this, this took nearly ten years to write the screenplay. It was passed between studios and different writers and all sorts. 
So, okay, it um, took its time, but no one seemed to be able to find the right way about it. Yeah, if that's come from the writers of the screenplay or uh, and sort of the writers of the film, then fair play because some of the dialogue in it, it is mince. It is very very good anyway, but I do f- just it's just having Denzel deliver it. Yeah. It really does. That's what one of the reviews said, wasn't it? Where they said, like, if it wasn't for Denzel, then yeah, this wouldn't be the same film. No. Rayburn saying it'll deliver more justice in a weekend than 10 years of the course and tribunals. Correct. Um, I also quite like that. Now, again, I'm such a sucker for fucking improvisation. And I know it's such a basic thing because it happens on almost any film set. But that little bit between them where they're talking about you're smiling. I wasn't smiling. I was smirking. Um, they both start with an S, but they're not the same. It's when they he sort of she sort of breaks him, and they go go from there um, with the swimming lessons, etc. I quite like that. Did you enjoy the none your business? <laughs> I like the uh, the uh, the line we said. The, they say a bullet always tells the truth. Yep. Which I thought was just one of those quotes that you hear. And you're like, that's a really good quote. And then, but actually, what does it even mean? <laughs> Essentially, like his, his gun, but his gun backfired. Yeah, that's all he could do. Rayburn wasn't very uh, sympathetic that he's just tried to off himself in the middle of the night. Just like, hey, no, he I think bullet tells the truth. My favourite's the last wish. I wish you had more time. Yeah, and then when uh, Mark Anthony's character says, uh, um, "I agree to the kidnapping. I did it for us." <laughs> like kidnapping their child was, was the right thing for them. Yeah, that was rash. I'm not sure that's the way to go about it. What about the, the, the journalist? I think she could have set her standards a bit higher there if she wanted to. Do you? Oh, what, in terms of the copper? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, she should. She's def- <laughs> he's definitely doing well for himself. Maybe <laughs> she's trying to trade on that information. Well, it was like she, he didn't realise how well he was doing. Hmm. And he's like, when are we going to sleep together again? As if he's making demands. <laughs> <laughs> you, you come when you're, if you're him, you come when you're called. Facts. Well, because we didn't know who he was when he's just grabbed her ass at the press conference. Mm. When uh, they said there's a, uh, they were known for being corrupt and now are celebrated for being dead. I, quite like I thought this was well. going to be a thing of her not being respected and having to put up with this. But no, it turns up it's just a piece on the side that yeah, I just, she has I mean, quite by has a bit of whiskey and a cigarette. Well, what can what, what can you say? It takes all sorts. Opens quite nice. Well, I say nicely with the there's a kidnapping every sixty minutes in Latin America. Really, just setting the tone for you. Mm, exactly. Um. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't think I've got many more. Really, it's basically just ask, any Denzel says. When they ask uh, Creasy about how his drinking affects him. He says, coordination, reaction time. Top professionals tried to kidnap your daughter. I'll do the best I can, but the service will be on par with the pay. He basically nicks that off Creasy before, doesn't he? He says, oh, you'll be all, it'll be all right even at half speed. Yeah. Um, I think that might be... Oh, no, as well, I did enjoy um, when Fuentes says, uh, you know, I'm professional. He says, that's what everyone keeps saying, I'm professional. Everyone <laughs> keeps saying that to me. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing that. Revenge is a meal best served cold. I hated that. We well, didn't need to it's... hear that quote said for the eight millionth time. Well, it should. It's normally a dish best served cold. Yeah, it's it's weirdly cha- it? yeah, it's weirdly like changes it. it. 
I um, also like, I know it's a little one, it's not even an important quote, out like, because some of the stuff you said you could just say and it just sounds cool, but in the context of the film, I really like it when Daniel just says, when he's on the phone, so he says, oh, the most important thing in life is family. And I wonder if it's as important to you as it is to me. Because it, it's, it's, just, it's just fucking sinister, isn't it? It's, it's very good. The most important thing in life is family. Do you agree? I agree. And there you are. You have my family. Well, most of my family. My wife and I are separated. You know how that is. Now tell me seriously, how much do you want? Ah. Your brother wants to speak to you. Yeah, hold on. I'm gonna take your family apart piece by piece. You understand me? Piece by piece. Shut up! I don't want your money. You understand me? You understand me? Well, I want you. Yeah, because that's right for a huge standoff, isn't it? <laughs> mm. uh, the only other other one I had was um, where the sister Anna says, do you see the hand of God in what you do? Is not for a long time, and then he completes the Bible verse saying, I'm the sheep that got lost, Madre. Mm. He sounds really cool when he speaks Spanish as well. Yeah. <laughs> he does it in two guns. It just isn't... Oh, fuck, I just love Denzel. He does it in training day as well, didn't he? He does, yeah, sorry. Yeah, my be, my be. That would be class for Dakota Fanning if she was getting her Spanish lessons from Denzel. <laughs> um, best moment slash scene? Give us yours. For me, it's the, the taxi driver interrogation. Everything about it. You see Denzel doing what he does and what has only been insinuated for the first part of the film. You've got Hey Mickey in the background. You've got what really made me think with the cigarettes. You've got the guy where essentially he reveals, look, it doesn't matter whether you give me what I want or not, you are still going to die. Like towards the end of the Saw films where essentially the big twist was that the games were no longer winnable. So there was no way out. And essentially he starts telling people as the film goes on, Essentially, you give me what I want and I'll kill you nicely, pretty much. So yeah. I just like the, the flick of the switch in there. And it was a bit more drawn out. He's got some lines where you're laughing with him and then realise what you're laughing at. Every, everything about it. And then just a final walk away as the guy goes up in flames. But I also, yeah, I also actually like the roll down the hill. <clears throat> and it yeah. just lands when you've got the kids playing football in the background. And it just... Then it obviously goes up in smoke. Um, yeah, good shout. I I do like. I know it's only brief, but I do like that. Set the scene with the old man where he shoots the RPG out the window. <laughs> yeah. But I actually think my favourite, as probably well, I suppose the old uh, from what we've read from the critics' reviews, most of the films perverse. But I still think my favourite scene is probably the kidnapping scene. Just really like, really like the way it's shot. And I know I feel like I'm very much in the minority. <laughs> I'm very much in the minority. What about you, Sean? Uh, yeah, I had a couple down. I had the, the rocket launcher and then the interrogation, the taxi. But I think the one I go for is when he breaks into the sister's house, so that Rainer Rosara's house, and then yeah. obviously gets the brother 
kidnaps the brother effectively and then first speaks to the voice on the phone and then they have that family discussion. So I think that yeah. one's my favourite one. MVP, I'm assuming, is uh, Creasy. Although by Sean's scoring criteria, it could just as easily be Peter because <laughs> there's no film without her being kidnapped. Well, yeah. You're being disingenuous there, but I'm not being disingenuous. You are. You are. You're being spiteful. But is it Creasy? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um Best side character. I didn't know whether I did, I know it sounds daft, but because of the trails of MVP that we've had, I felt it would be weird to count Dakota Fanning as a side character. Yeah, I didn't so, do So for me it's, it's gone to my guy Rayburn. Yeah, Rayburn yeah. for me as well. It's clear on the Juno, isn't it? And Rayburn takes the cake there. Yeah. Well, not the one with the cake, but takes the cake. I think we'll go on to Fugitive and then we'll do the rest in our judging. So, Synopsis. Dr. Richard Kimball, unjustly accused of murdering his wife, must find the real killer while being the target of a nationwide manhunt led by a seasoned US Marshal. Did everyone enjoy the film? I love this one. I was hooked from pretty much straight away. A lot more tells me where your scoring's going after your message earlier. (laughs) No, I I also really enjoyed it. I wasn't too sure. (sighs) By what night were we playing? What night were we talking? It was Tuesday night, wasn't it? Yeah, you put me off. (laughs) I I delayed it and watched Man on Fire. I said, I've got to watch The Fugitive. I'm not looking forward to it at all. And then I watched it and I, yeah, it was actually really good. I've enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Harrison Ford is uh, he's great. If I go through the critics' reviews and then we'll go into uh, more. So, The Fugitive and His Pursuer are both given attention by the script, which is careful to develop characters that are intelligent, insightful, and most of all, entertaining. It's a film that uses the spectacle to set up its characters rather than to pay off its stakes. Call something a real train wreck and it's, just, and it's considered a put-down. Not in this fast-track, no-stops-chase movie with a massive train wreck scene that's going to have audiences scrambling for cover. Led by two stellar performances, Fugitive has certainly managed to withstand the test of time. In many ways, The Fugitive represents the pinnacle of a genre not much in style anymore, the suspense action picture. What have we got? Just when you thought the movies had been given over to special effects departments and the high-tech fantasies that sustain them, along comes The Fugitive, a good old-fashioned drama with unsettling shivers of suspense. The film is little more than a well-oiled machine that serves a strictly limited function but like a precision timepiece, it's just a thing to marvel at, even under close scrutiny. I will say, um, sorry, I'm just going to say, I will attest to it standing the test of time, because I didn't know I dated it was going to be, and, and stuff like that, and I, I did really enjoy it. And it is, unfortunately, because it, we're watching it 27 years past when it came out, even though I've never seen it, I know what happened. Oh, okay. Because it was quite a big film, so I, kn- I knew, I knew pretty much what was going to happen. But even then, 
there are moments of suspense in it as to how you'll get from A to B. Hmm. Uh, Ford is fine as the innocent surgeon who's wrongfully wrongfully convicted of the murder of his wife and sets off to find the real killer. But the movie is stolen from under his nose by Tommy Lee Jones, who gives an Oscar-winning performance. The film treats this profoundly preposterous plot as if it were a serious idea. I don't know if that's a good or a bad review. <laughs> I guess that's however you want to take it. Yeah, I'm not really sure. While there are actors in this film, there isn't much room for acting. The rapid editing and near absence of dialogue reduces the actors to action figures with colourful labels pasted on their foreheads. Which is in big contrast to the next one. It's a pleasure to find a thriller fulfilling its duties with such gusto. The emotions ring solid, the script finds time to relax and to back chat, and for once the stunts look like acts of desperation rather than shows of prowess. That did really ring true for me with it sounded with acts of desperation because I know it's very different films, but we commented on the raid, didn't we? And we said like every single person there can fight. And you don't want that with a film like this, do you? Like if Harrison Ford is suddenly a Muay Thai professional that can bulldoze his way through the police, we're not going to enjoy that because it's the same film we've seen. Yeah. This was kind of like with some of the, are they going to catch him where it's the closest I've felt to prison break season one, where he'd go behind the sink and there would be the kind of you're clenching your fist, wondering if he's going to get back in time before the guards come back to his cell. And you had that with some of this where the, will he catch him? Won't he? How's he just going to get away? So I thought it was, it was really good and nothing it's ever seemed different... beyond the realms of what Harrison Ford could could do no and it's also a different type of action like it's not all because it is it's, it's quite fast paced and with all the different moments like you say it's is sort of quite like it's paced really well so it is there is always something happening and there is always action with it which i quite enjoy because it is in a lot of a lot of it is different to just something exploding and someone being shot yeah yeah <laughs> Which there's uh, nothing wrong with with that. I do love it, but it was just interesting to see a different type of action. Yeah, I've only got a couple left. Harrison Ford mostly just runs and fights, but that's okay. Running, after all, is what fugitives are supposed to do. Innovative is not a legitimate description of the fugitive, but entertaining is. And finally, the pacing is terrific, and the action always kept on a realistic level, even when it's clearly over the top. That's quite good as well, because you don't really want to see a train crash that isn't over the top, do you? But at the same time, you don't want Harrison Ford doing a backflip off the top thing and rolling down the hill without sustaining injury. So it can be over the top while still being realistic, as they're saying. Anybody still there? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, did, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I just thought you were making a comment. I didn't realise. No. No, I agree, yeah. there isn't A train crash isn't an everyday event, so it's going to be over the, over the top. As is a pres- as is an actual prison break. Yeah. <laughs> um, some trivia then. So, Harrison Ford damaged some ligaments in his leg during the filming of the scenes in the woods. He refused to take surgery until the end of filming, so that his character would keep the limp. The limp can be seen in any subsequent scene where Richard Kimball is running. 
The scene where Kimball is running through the St. Patrick's Day Parade was not scripted. It was a later edition by Andrew Davis. He's a native of the city and really wanted to capture the parade and was granted permission from the mayor's office to film the day of the parade. The entire sequence was shot with a handheld steady cam. Without rehearsal, Ford and Jones just went out into the crowd and did their thing, with camera operators running around trying to keep up. Ford observed that since his character was keeping a low profile, it meant he himself didn't stand out much and lasted several minutes in the crowd before being recognised. That was pretty cool. So him not him being kind of discreet is not being recognised for three minutes. I mean, it is Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> um, according to producer Roy Huggins, uh, Gerard's line in response to Richard Kimball's claim of innocence, I didn't kill my wife, was originally written as, that isn't my problem, but at the request of Tommy Lee Jones, it was changed to, I don't care. Hmm. The wrecked train and bus remain a tourist attraction in Dillsborough, North Carolina. Originally, Julianne Moore's character had a bigger role in the film. Even after she exposes him briefly, yeah. Kimball was to have sought her out for help and eventually fall for her. These scenes were filmed and deleted from the final cut of the film, which is the reason that her name is still credited as one of the main stars of the picture. This spun me out from going on IMDb because I saw her credited before watching the film obviously so when she appeared i thought she was going to be a big deal and then she literally does have a two minutes where she sees a man say that his hobbies are looking at x-rays after asking him to take the the kid down so she wasn't that untrustworthy but then rats him in two minutes later for looking at an x-ray she's got to be fuming there Devoting all that time. I don't know if, how her pay would work. Surely you'd just get paid anyway, no? Pay still stays the same, you'd imagine. Yeah. You hope if they've paid her for a big role and then she's not <laughs> included. Yeah, well, maybe she's quite... Well, she's like, done the work anyway, so as long yeah. as the pay's the same, it's all irrelevant. Isn't it? um, what you end according... up with it. Yeah, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, what you end up with, if you're paid to be in 10 scenes and only use two, then say yeah. la Um According to the DVD commentary, the scene in which the Chicago police interrogate Richard Kimball was improvised. Harrison Ford had no idea what questions he was going to be asked. <laughs> That's good. That's decent, though, because I've never been interrogated by the police, but I can't imagine it being particularly pleasant, so not knowing what's coming and having to try and throw an answer out, pro- out probably yeah, out to the realism. I hope I don't have to be, because I was comparing it to the scene in um, Gone Girl, where Again, they're just assuming that he's killed his wife. Yeah. And the questions, some things he's just never going to be able to answer. And if your wife does have life insurance, you're essentially screwed from the get-go, <laughs> it seems. Yeah. If if you own a house together and you've both decided to take out a policy, essentially it seems like you're going to jail. Well, he remarks, and he's saying, well, he's a surgeon, he's already on a fortune. And not as much as she's worth. Right, that sells it then. He must have killed it. Forget the fact that they're, they, they're doing okay anyway. Yeah, bang, he's done it. And um, as a surgeon, surely he's going to have a more discreet way to murder his wife than just crushing her skull I also with a take, giant sphere. I also take objection to that whole scene. It makes no sense. Because he shoots <laughs> her five times after battering her. Got a gun in your hand. Just, just shoot her. The gun, the guns, the guns are silenced as well. <laughs> what so the hell sh- when the, 
he essentially sees her in the bathroom and he yeah. does some like Rey Mysterio over the top rope. <laughs> dives. <laughs> he literally has a gun in his hand. If he shoots her and doesn't break anything, he can walk down the stairs. I know, I know the point is to try and frame him, but he can walk out the stairs, walk down the stairs, probably have a better chance of not being seen or, or, Harrison Ford realising he's got one arm which becomes the undoing <laughs> and he just can try and get out of the house hold a gun at Harrison Ford and say I'm leaving now then all he's describing him by is a bloke with black hair, black curly hair I mean if Harrison Ford's this much of an issue probably send a bloke with two arms <laughs> would be a good place to start if this is such a massive thing um, yeah and I just don't like, he could pr- do, do a lot more uh, it just, it, there, there is I know that it was a TV show, and the guy yeah. with one arm was in the TV show. So oh. they followed that on, but still, like they changed the book when it came to uh, Man on Fire and the ending. So you can give a book another arm if needs be. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's, I've got issues with that bit, but we'll get there. Um, Tommy Lee Jones reportedly told Joe Pantoliano, "It's not like anyone's going to win any awards for this film." And Tommy Lee Jones then won the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Yeah, he is very good in it. I did not know until Tuesday night that they actually made another film about the same character. Yeah, which I've got is my next bit of trivia. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's all right. Um, but yeah, Train was crashed for the movie, although Kimball Jumping Free was a superimposed image. Actually, not my next one, but we're close. Um, this was the first American movie shown in Chinese theatres in over 40 years. Audiences accustomed to local movies were blown away when they saw it, and it became a huge hit there. Yeah. Although her role was brief, Julianne's role here, Julianne Moore's role here, landed her an interview with Steven Spielberg, who had later cast her in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Well, she hadn't done that badly out of it then, has she? No. Um, there wasn't enough room for the cameraman to be inside the helicopter with Tommy Lee Jones. And so he had to be strapped to the outside of the chopper in order to get clean footage. <laughs> How's that for a day at the office? Fuck. Oh, I'd want more than they were paying Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, according to Harrison Ford, the studio is not happy with the beard. They figured they paid for the face they wanted to see, so they were concerned about that, he said. Oh, okay. Um, I, But I, I think having it is... Actually, having it works out quite well because it shows a quicker transition of him yeah. being a fugitive and having to change his appearance than trying to grow a beard, for example. Yeah. Or him having to buy some dodgy fake and stick it on and it just being a bit comical. Him having a shave and dyeing his hair and changing his hairstyle yeah. slightly was a very quick way to change your appearance, isn't it? especially with a beard that big. Yeah. Um, we've got the standard that we seem to have every single week. Um Mel Gibson. Christopher Reeve and Mel Gibson were considered for the role of Richard Kimball. Gibson was also considered for the role of Samuel Gerard. If Gibson's Richard Kimball, I'm trying to convict him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they need to, even when they catch him and they say, you didn't kill your wife, they say, hang on, we've got you wanted here for about eight other things. You big yeah. anti-Semites. Yeah, well, he goes away for something. Uh, the character of Cosmo Renfro was supposed to die in the finale of the film. However, Joe Pantoliano successfully lobbied for his character to be spared so that he may appear in a potential sequel. Pantoliano indeed got to reprise the role of Renfro in the sequel U.S. Marshals. A similar request, 
but Sailor Ward to have her character beaten into a coma instead of being killed, however, was not on it. Go off that pull. Um, and this is one of the few action films where Harrison Ford is in, but doesn't kill anyone. Hmm. Oh, really? There we go. In terms of points to consider, we said about the opening with the camera shots and the transitions in Man on Fire. I thought this was so 90s with the start where Sirens to open the movie for a start just felt very yeah. 90s. And then um, the camera sounds on the crime scene where there's no need for you to know they're taking pictures of the crime scene. But they do the kind of fast shots with the shutter of the camera just to say, this is a crime scene that's being investigated. Yeah, a shot of the body would probably lead you to believe that. A shot of the body and, and a load of police cars, you probably think, well, possibly a crime scene. One of the other things that made me think about how 90s it was, was um, when Harrison Ford eventually figures out who's to blame, goes to confront him and he says, you almost got away with it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> waiting for him to reveal his mask and so it, <laughs> if it weren't for those meddling kids <laughs> I'm sorry I'm in the middle of this speech you almost got away with it didn't you I know all about it I can prove it ladies and gentlemen my friend Richard Kimball doesn't feel well <laughs> literally I saw that and I was just shaking my head like come on He's had that whole journey up there for about, what, 24 floors. And that's all he can say is stand there, march to the front, and then inquisitively ask, you thought you got away with it, didn't you? Why did Nichols just not help the police and get Kimball locked up? I do Genuinely, he's so smug as well when he's talking to the police. Yeah. Oh, well, I would help him. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I saw him this morning. Also, the police don't nick him for not reporting that. Obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice. There's just nothing. Like, oh, right, you saw him this morning, did you? Yeah. Well, I, I had a point down that there was going to be a critique in that before I knew who he was, I was going to say he just sounded unnecessarily evil with everything <laughs> he said. And yeah. then also, there might be more of a criticism now, but if I was to rewatch it, I would think, right, this is far too obvious here that this is your bad guy yeah and it's an odd one because he's just like a random he's just a doctor and suddenly he's like an evil villain and he's plotting <laughs> murders and stuff I know there's money involved and really just, it's about sort of corporate it's about corporations and such uh, but just like yeah he's just a doctor and then next year you know he's just offing people for a bit for a bit of a laugh everyone in that everyone that works in that hospital has just been listening to like NWA on their walk into work because the way they speak to the police is all essentially, <laughs> well, if he found me, I would help him, yeah. <laughs> he also, talking of obstruction of justice, he actually turns around to the police and he's like, yeah, I gave him some money. <laughs> the, the, police make, the police don't even bat an eye. Oh, I gave him some money, did you? How much? <laughs> Not even like, what are you doing? You're helping out a fugitive. All oh, right, how much do you give him? By the way, you'll never find him. Yeah. He's smarter than you. <laughs> we don't need this. <laughs> what are they playing at? <laughs> As uh, Sean always mentions, when we were in uh, Cavos, and I unintentionally, well, not unintentionally, without thinking, was humming, um, uh, it's the sound of the police when there were some policemen in there. Mm. They looked like they were going to cut me there and then. <laughs> if I was in America, they may well have just taken my head. 
<laughs> so I certainly wouldn't be saying, by the way, you ain't very smart, so hey, you ain't catching him. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it is ridiculous. But then, I mean, to be fair, Tommy Jones does for the Tommy Jones for the X Man the film does just go on to highlight how fucking stupid the police department are. Yeah. So I mean, he's not lying. They should have had a special mention at the end of this film to Chicago PD because they do them no favors. <laughs> no, particularly now when they they just want to shoot everyone. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that last scene, he's just, he's like, can you get the helicopter off the roof? Because I don't want to get a shot. Just indiscriminate, just peppering the rooftop. <laughs> yeah, they're maniacs and police. Um, one of my other things was when the Nichols and uh, Kimball are scrapping at the end, then putting him through the, the, the glass ceiling like mankind at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Straight through. <laughs> It's a shame there's no JR voiceover talking about him being broken in that. <laughs> Unreal. So, those are my main takeaways from the film. I did have a hypothetical, which I imagine is going to be similar to Sean's, if you want to fire it off, Sean. Um, yeah, my, well, my one was... Uh, hang on, I need to check where I've got it written down. Is it, who would you call and where would you go if you're a fugitive? Well, no, but I guess still to that. My one was like if the um well when the when the train crashes and when the transport crashes, what would you do? Would you actually take the train out of it because you get out of the train just because obviously you're gonna die? But would you run away or would you like stay there? Do you think in your conscience would you be able to run away or do you think you just I, like stay and wait till they get there? I did think about this as to whether I think it would depend how long I had left them a sentence. So. We're assuming they're all sentenced to death. Yeah. So they yeah, really don't have anything to lose. If I've yeah. got like a year left, I'm sitting still there saying, look, I've only got a year. I don't need to be on this runaway. What would be the breaking point? What if it's like five years? I don't think I've got it in me. See, I'm happy, I'm happy to admit I'm probably too much of a shithouse to get out of that bus. As long as the train's not coming at me, then I'm trying because... Yeah, you, I, I don't want to die, but genuinely, I'm probably too much for a shit house. But I then, yeah, my, my is, follow on having uh, an entire nation after me. <laughs> a few times I've been to the gym, I feel like people are watching me, let alone walking through a parade when I'm a wanted <laughs> man. My follow on from that would have been, yeah, what would you do if, let's say, you've decided you are going to go? Where would you go? Who would you call? I did think about this, and I'm not really sure who I would call. No, I'm not sure. I was thinking about anyone that does the the podcast, and I feel like Sean's going to panic more than me. Um, oh wow, Antwerp have just missed a two on one. Um, I thought TK probably wouldn't take things seriously enough. <laughs> Alex would inadvertently do the thing where they need to keep you on the phone for too long, so they mm-hmm. can trace where you are. And yeah. I'm not sure how fussed Keenan's going to be or how much of a game plan he's going to give me to escape this. Uh, I doubt you are. If I rock up to Keenan's. Yeah, don't worry about it. I doubt you are. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, they probably won't go there. You probably have a bit of time there as well. I mean, Correct. you might eventually get to Keenan, but not not, not like prob- your mum or your dad. I'm probably throwing in a call to my mum, Ross. <laughs> he's ratting yeah. me out if I don't give him some cash. No, I think he backs me. 
and he lives away away. So oh, can get I that. thought you meant while I'm at yours, oh, you're no, calling no. him. No, that's no, no. For, me, for me, that's probably probably a call I've got to make. Yeah, I'm tro- probably saying, what are you doing coming to mine? It sounds ridiculous. Yeah, I think you, you'd, you'd throw me under a bus quicker than Don't I Don't bring do. the Federale to my door. Probably. Genuinely, it sounds ridiculous, but I'll try and get across the Irish Sea. Do what so many of them have done. See, <laughs> Would they not help out? Who? Oh. The Irish police, when they say to, when the English police force say, yeah, you've got this man over here. Probably, but do you know what I mean? I've got, you've got, you got family over there, so you go over there, don't you, and try and sit in some some place in the countryside. What are Irish police like compared to us? Pretty much the same except I think they've got more access to more access to guns, don't they? I was gonna say I'd I think I'd they're, be they're a bit more hardened. I'd be up for like running and getting on and hiding initially, but then I'd be too I'd be too scared to get caught to do anything. Like I wouldn't want to go in to any shop anywhere there's people wouldn't want to call anyone because I just know they'd find out so I think I'd just end up having to give up after a few days <laughs> they say hang on Luke's logged into Steam here <laughs> football manager did come out today <laughs> even my so football manager staff would help me <laughs> just for a cup final yep alright rewatchability so this was 2 hours 10 so you got 16 minutes less to any of you, as a side point, two hours twenty-six felt like so much longer to me than two hours ten. Yeah, I think because I round it up it to the two hours thirty. But that's your question. I would, I would rewatch this again tonight. Crikey! No, I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't go that far. But I would, I, I'd happily watch it again soon. Um, if it, if it was a, yeah, I, I didn't mind it at all. But yeah, you, it did seem. I think a lot of it's to do with the pacing, because there's yeah. none of this hour waiting yeah. for anything to actually fucking happen. Do you know no. what I mean? You got you got the first scene, the 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 interrogation and the trial. Next year, you know he's breaking out of prison. Or yeah, you're he's right. Got, he's on he's on a jailbreak. It doesn't, doesn't really stop either. No. Essentially, his name being said on a voicemail was what that lawyer said is indiscernible evidence that he absolutely killed his wife, <laughs> and the jury are like. Yeah, fair play, to be fair. That is his name said on there. No, your, your life... No, you're sentenced to death. It's a great move Very, by the... Uh, great move by the killer, though. Yeah, Very quick. Angle, uh, angle it up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is a, there's and no messing around with that well, jail scene. It looks like he obviously tells her to say it, doesn't it? They don't show it, but... At the, at the start, until they um, catch the other guy that went on a runner... They didn't seem to care about him when, judging by the scars and things, he looks like he's probably a priority here. Mm, yeah, also, yeah. yeah, I mean, he goes straight away, doesn't he? Um, he also went back to his house. Surely it should have taken them more than a couple of days to think, did he go back home? Yeah, you get, and they get a tip as well. It's not even as though they thought to check yeah. They go, oh yeah, we've got a tip saying he's back home. I mean, I don't know, but I'd probably be one of the first places I'd check. Has he gone back to Tommy his Lee missus? Jones telling his missus to shut up after she's just seen her man get iced. <laughs> <laughs> also, how ruthless is it the way that he gets rid of him when he's got he's got, got Cosmo six inches away and he just slides two into his neck? Um, so there was a thing about that with the, the chat they have afterwards with um, the guy saying, uh, like, 
you should have bartered with him where he said, I don't bargain. Mm. And Tommy Lee Jones rewrote that himself because he said the way it was written at first sounded like something you would get in like a play or something like that. He said it just didn't seem natural at all. Like those two wouldn't be having a back and forth conversation after he's in shock. He's just had a bullet ping past his ear and he's that unhappy. So he re- yes. he rewrote the whole thing himself and then just recited it when uh, he got on set. Yeah, fair enough. I reckon uh, Cosmo is the same character as well as, as the chief in Bad Boys. Yeah, he grow, grow, gets up there. Yeah, and he takes what he learnt from Tommy Lee Jones and then brings that into the role. Good character he was. Particularly yeah. liked uh, him not wanting his shoes muddy. Mm. Yeah, that'd be you. Celtic were two up and it's now two two Keenan, so set at work. And I was actually said it was gonna do both teams to score. I said to my mate at work, because he was like, oh, it'd be a good game. I was like, Yeah, probably, but Lille will be in about four two. Because Celtic two, can't two. defend. Um of course it fucking is. Best quote. I don't have as many for this as Man on Fire, but I still think there's some good ones. No. Uh, yeah, I didn't kill my wife, I don't care. It did actually annoy me. Although I understood what he was trying to say, and that well, yeah. that's not my worry right now. You're on the run. I've got to arrest you. But and he does also have a gun at him, so that's probably why he's not that interested. You said telling me he didn't kill someone whilst you've got a gun pointed at my head. <laughs> um, when they say he's dead, and Tommy Lee Jones goes, "Oh, that should make him easy to find them." Yeah, my favourite was um, Newman. What are you doing? I'm thinking. Well, think me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut with some of those little sprinkles on top. Um. I probably outside of I didn't kill my wife I don't care I think the Tommy Lee Jones speech of I, I, what I want out of each and every one of you is a heart attack search for every gas station residence warehouse farmhouse hen house outhouse and doghouse in that area checkpoints go up to 15 miles our fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball go get him that I'd heard many times before so without seeing the film tell him to look in the mirror pal except the beard of course <laughs> yeah. quite like that one Marshall um, Biggs if they if they can dye the river green today, why can't they dye it blue the other 364 days of the year? Fair point. Yeah. Um, Favourite quote I actually like is probably, so he showed up not dead yet. So he, he showed up not dead yet. That'd be, a, that'd be a lesson to you boys and girls. Don't ever argue with the big, big dog. The big <laughs> dog is always right. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think that might be... All of them. As I said, uh, you almost got away with it. Mm-hmm. That was my other one. That um, Marshall Biggs was in uh, Man in the High Castle, Sean. Arnold Walker. Was he? Yeah. Who, what, who is he in Man in the High Castle? Arnold Walker. Who's Arnold? If you don't know, Sean, I don't think you've been watching it properly. Oh, I don't know who that character is. You'll have to have a Google after. He was in 10 episodes. Part of the Resistance, I think, from memory. Okay. But anyway. I recognised him from something else, and that's what I was trying to check, but can't seem to find it. Anyway. Best moment slash scene, Keenan. Um couple for me that I wrote down 
uh, East South, so you can't find them. The sewer chase. Um, yeah. Sewer chase and the end scene, the end scene on the rooftop. Mine was the chase in the uh, mall where he gets out with his foot just stuck in the door. Mm. Nice. Yeah, well, that's a good one when they, when they see each other on the stairs. Uh, the two I had are the same as Keenan's. It's a shame um, Jack's not on the pod because he could have tested out his sewer theory where he jumps. Because by Jack's <laughs> theory, he'd have been able to survive that easily by just taking a bit of the sewer and surfing on it all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think if I had to pick a favorite one, it probably is that end scene when you start with him confronting Nicholas and the whole you thought you got away, you were going to get away with it, and then on the roof. So that that would be my favorite, but the Stuart, the Stuart ones up there as well. Yeah, I really did like that. I was trying to read um, yesterday whether he could actually survive that jump. It's the same. It's the same sort of problem that they posed with the Niagara Falls barrel roll, isn't it? So apparently what people think, and I don't know if it's true, and someone can tell me whether I'm wrong, but apparently it's to do with the way the water falls and the mist. Basically, it, cre- it almost increases the air resistance, so it slows your fall, is why they think people can survive it. And if you were to land within that fall and the pool at the bottom of it, there is like a, re- it's instead of, because you know, like water tension, because surely he's jumping that high, the water should just be like fucking concrete, it should just be gone. Yeah. But but he doesn't even of... fall. He doesn't even fall from that, does he? So it yeah. says he's moving with the water, so he's not just hitting the surface. Also, even if he hits the damn wall, he hits it at such an angle that he will bounce, which means much lower force is acted on the body. Hmm. The world record if cliff that. diving is around fifty-four meters, and they estimate someone has worked out this would be sixty-nine meters that he jumps from. So. Well, He's done very well to survive. Yeah. How many people jump from like 54 metres? When I'm like five metres or five metre diving board, you're still kind of shaking a bit. <laughs> I don't I don't go that way, Sean. That rocking Zante, Sean, come on. Exactly. I've jumped off a... Cause there's, there's diving boards in Chartland, isn't there? I've jumped yeah. off the 10 one there and that was that was enough. I have. I won't be doing it anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy Sykes saying, what is this a trench coat convention when he goes into his house as well? Um, MVP what do you do here Sean you've got two leading men MVP I think I um, I give this one to Tommy Lee Jones as as you kind of said in the early one I do think he stole the he stole the show genuinely my dad's second thing I said second thing out of his mouth when I said I was watching The Fugitive I said, oh, I've watched The Fugitive, never seen it before. He went, never seen The Fugitive? He went, I said, no. That's obviously what I opened with, Dad. Uh, he went, Tommy Lee Jones steals, steals it. I was like, all right, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and he was like, but watch it, it's really, really good. And I was like, okay, fair. Best side character? My guy, Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo all the way. Just because I wanted Joey Pants to get the double. But no, he is also actually very good in it. He just, yeah, his own nervous energy just is very good into that that side of character. All right, well, this is where we'll do the judging. So, I do also have Jack's picks, so he hasn't completely pulled out on us. You've let him do it in in his condition. I have. 
So, Sean, which did you prefer? In Jack's state, you can guard a corpse. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. did you Fin's prefer, Sean? In this case. Just give me which you preferred. <laughs> Are you going to or not? Go for Crikey fugitive. me. Fugitive prefer. Sorry, Keenan? I was cutting out. Fugitive is, yeah. Man on fire. Jack preferred the fugitive. And I preferred man on fire. So it's a tie there. Keenan, what did you think was more rewatchable? The fugitive. Sean? The Fugitive. I went man on fire, so we also have a tie there, as Jack went man on fire too. Hmm. Best quote, Sean? Uh, Best quote would be, as we kind of touched on in the episode, it'd be man on fire. Uh, And my my quote would probably be the... um, It's hard. Probably that they say a bullet always tells the truth. What about you, Keenan? Yeah, it's man on fire. Jax is also man on fire with a. Did you say goodbye to her? Here's your chance. And mine would be. Uh, not my chance. Not me asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Best moment slash key. Best moment slash scene, Sean. It's a key name. Best moment slash scene. Would be fugitive for me, and it'd be the same one as I said in when we were talking about topics that that last scene. Uh, what about you, Keenan? Man on fire. Any particular one, or I would give it. I will give it to the kidnapping scene or the Fuentes interrogation. Yeah, mine would be the Fuentes. Uh, mine would be the interrogation of the taxi driver. Um, and Jax's uh, Doctor Kimball jumping into the dam. <laughs> and he said he wanted to give an honourable mention to the Millhouse meme in The Simpsons that was birthed from that, but I've not seen the meme to uh, <laughs> to know. No, what was your choice, boy? Mine is uh, the taxi driver. Uh, sorry, no, you did say that. Sorry, my apologies. What was your sorry, Sean? Mine was the last scene, the fugitive. I had to let the cat downstairs, so I'm actually. Um, MVP, Sean. MVP would go to Big Denzel. Keenan. Yep. Same as. Same. Most menacing villain. <laughs> this is a tough one, really. I wasn't sure what to put for this. Well, I've gone for um, Man on Fire because it's hard to have a more menacing villain than someone that is kidnapping and threatening to kill kids. He's also yeah. called the. He's also called the Voice. <laughs> so I, I, everything, I everything outside of him gives the answer to him but him in himself like he's barely you obviously barely see him in the film might be more menacing though the fact that that is what he's like I was going to say yeah it it makes it just gives it to me it gave it a little more of a sinister edge like when it's oh we don't don't ever see him he's just called the voice yeah and so on so I did give it to Man on Fire I just couldn't give myself give it to Dr. Nichols or or Sykes having a hook as a hand is menacing but Still. He doesn't have a hook. He has a, he has a hand hand. Oh, yeah. He just says about having a hook, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe if he had a hook, then... <laughs> if he has a hook, <laughs> K- yes, Kimball doesn't win that fight if he's got a hook, does he? <laughs> he also wouldn't hold a gun very well in that hand either. 
Um, I, don't, I don't imagine he would with a prosthetic hand, mate. And even if he does, he can't pull the trigger. He doesn't pull the trigger anyway. Well, he shoots, his, shoots the wife, doesn't it? So he does pull it at some point. Maybe he jumps at her first. I know. That's where but... he does the damage. Um, what was your picture on for most menacing villain? It'd be Man on Fire as well, yeah. Did you say the same, Keenan? Yes, mate. Jack went for uh, Fugitive. Best side character. I'll say My guy, Cosmo. Jack went for Lou Peter, so he obviously wasn't here to have a discussion. But uh, Rayburn. I'm going to go for um, Cosmo here, so. Okay. Still 2 2 with that one. Action per minute, Keenan. The Fugitive. Sean? The Fugitive. Yeah, I, I I agree. Jack went for Man on Fire. It's a rogue pitch from Jack, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was more off his head than uh, suggested. You do kind of forget that it is an hour to get into it because once Man on Fire starts, then it is pretty relentless. But like, like, if you were in the cinema, I don't think you'd take into account how long it is when you are when you're sat at home. No, I get that, and you are right, but it is an action per minute question. Like yeah, yeah. Said, the fugitives uh, bang, bang, bang in it. But yeah, once I agree. the peak of the peak action in Man on Fire is obviously a lot higher, but the fugitives far far more of a consistent line. Maybe it would go to a greater debate as to uh, what you're judging as action. It's like your significant strikes when they uh, do it in boxing and MMA. Is just the chase a significant strike as much as it is uh, in Man on Fire? But I agree with. Uh, Action per minute. Um, kill count isn't particularly debatable because we only have really, no. <laughs> the one death in The Fugitive, and that is um, his wife. Hmm. There's more than one, isn't there? Oh, no. Um, and the other prisoner. In the, yeah, the train, yeah. Now, what's the kill count for Man on Fire? Did, did you get one? 18. Oh, wow. I did have a breakdown of it, but most creative use of weaponry. Is it going to be? I didn't uh, really notice anything on this. I've only bombing got... the rectum is pretty uh, significant, yeah. I'd say. I've only got four options, and I'll give them to you. I've got the the, to- the toothbrush shank in the fugitive <laughs> that he stabs the guard with because he's on a bus and they've not bothered to search him. So sort of masters are their own downfall. Um, I was a big fan of the iron girder strike that sparks Cosmo out because it just comes from nowhere and hits <laughs> yeah. him full on in the face. Um, not particularly creative, but always fun to see an RPG. Um, and then, as you say, the, the the rectal bomb is both creative and quite funny. I thought him using the um, cigarette lighter in the car was... Yeah, I, I the only reason I didn't count that as a weapon, because whilst it will inflict pain quite clearly... It was used to extend it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not actually... If he was burning his face, for example... I'd have been like, yeah, fair. But because he is using it just to cauterise the wounds for the fingers he cuts off, I didn't really count it. I remember watching a film called The Tortured, and it was by the makers of Saw. And um, they had this thing that they injected into this guy where it made every muscle in his body cramp at once. Oh, my God. And then they occasionally just injected him with um, adrenaline to keep him awake. <laughs> it's like a law-abiding citizen he injects him with adrenaline, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's just so he can't go to sleep. 
Yep, so Man on Fire takes the cake there. What? We yeah. haven't voted. Haven't we? I thought we were speaking about them. We hadn't spoken one from the fugitive of Olympia. Um, you go on, sorry. I was uh, reading what Jack Well, um, yes, yeah, I wasn't sure, but based on just remembering what Keena said, I'd probably go for Fugitive, and it would be when yeah, he knocks out uh, Cosmo, because that's not, I suppose it's not technically used a weapon, and then he's using it creatively to knock him down, rather than just like a knife or a gun, so I get uh, it. The bomb in the ass for what it's worth, and Jax is the same. Yeah, it's just mine as well. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, best soundtrack, Sean. Fugitive for me. Keenan. See, I went Man on Fire. I am just as well. Just because I like a the Fugitive is pretty much just scored, and and it's it's not a bad score. It does fit the film, but I quite like the use the sprinkling of another in Mexico, but the sprinkling of both a like sort of the Latino music and then the Latino mm. version of Hey Mickey. So yeah. I did quite quite like it. Agreed. Um, yeah, Jax was Man on Fire as well. He said very Gladiator-like for the main song. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, originality, Sean. Well, I've just got... and I haven't even decided yet, because I, I didn't know, because what we're picking between Prisoner Gets Away after killing wife and kidnapping Bodyguard. I didn't really know... <laughs> Evil were really original, so and I mean, both ones based on a TV show from the sixties, ones based on a novel that was written. A novel, yeah. So they're not an original screenplay as, as such. Um, so, so I, actually got the novel I the kind way. of deferred. To, I probably defer to what do I prefer, and so I put fugitive, but no real reason behind it. Spurs just lost, by the way. Good day. Yeah, did you mm-hmm. a favour not watching that shot? We'll take that loss. Humble us. <laughs> <laughs> What's your pick, Keenan, for originality? So uh, last night, genuinely, I couldn't. I, as I was doing my answers, I couldn't work out. I couldn't work out. Um, I will say now, because I've never read the book. Now that you've told me that they've changed the ending, I'm leaning towards Man on Fire because, as a film, obviously, like you say, they've kept the one-armed man and they've kept most of the premise from the future. So I'll give it to Man on Fire, but that feels harsh. Um, Jack gave it to the fugitive, and. Huh. I'd agree, mainly because I've not read the book from Out on Fire and I've not seen the TV show for The Fugitive, but in terms of what was more of a breath Original of fresh concept. air in the kind of scene of the film. Yeah, 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 I'd I won't say. argue. Like I said, I couldn't work it out for the life. I couldn't really work it out for the life of me. Like, Probably um, if we it. did this in the 90s, it wouldn't be so original, but going back now and seeing it, it feels more original. Mm. Um, bigger impact, Keenan. The Fugitive. Sean? The Fugitive. I agree. And uh, Jack went man on fire. Which has the better ending, Sean? Uh, I went Fugitive. Keenan? So did I. Jack That's also went for the Fugitive. The... Um, I actually hated the ending. Well, I've already told you it's one of my favourite scenes of the films, the end, the end scene, so I can yeah. hardly say it's shy. I, um, I enjoyed it. I would have preferred to see them actually get some comeuppance rather than it being inferred. Mm. Oh, I'd have liked to see um, one-armed man taken down rather than just kind of handcuffed to uh, the train 
and then I'd no, like you do to... see he gets pushed in. He gets uh, put in the police car at the end. Yeah, but I mean, I'd like to see a bit more. I want to see him sentenced at least. Okay. Or or killed because he did kill um, Harrison Ford's wife, so I think he's been quite lenient there. And then Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know why this was such a lovely thing. The fact that he does care. Him saying that it kind of is his job. <laughs> so for him saying you do care. A big pat on the back for you. I mean, it is his job, but his, his job in it is actually just to recover him, so he could chuck him in a set of cuffs. Yeah, but I mean, Lord, him, him smiling as then. if it was like a proper nice thing of him to do, to care. Well, yeah, because he does go, when he says you're innocent, and then he convinces, he says, look, it's over. He said, oh, I'm either going to shoot you or, or sort of whatever. He could just chuck him in the police car and be like, right, get him to the station, you lot can work it out. So he does go, yeah. he does I go mean, away from the remit. Yeah, that was the only thing that kind of took a, a bit off for me. I'd either have liked to see them killed or at least put up a bit more of a fight with being taken away. I don't want them going out McLovin style to the police car. <laughs> um, finally, uh, chemistry, Sean. Uh, fugitive for Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Harrison Ford. Keenan? Whilst I do think they have <clears throat> great chemistry, I struggle to give it to them because they're actually only in Really, four scenes. Teams. Is it four? Is it two? Yeah. A chase, the phone call, the one at the end. Obviously, the end. I guess scene. you count the one of them chasing each other in the uh, when they think they go face to face in the mall. No, yeah, sorry, yeah, my bad. Um, so I actually I gave it to Denzel and Dakota Fanning. Yeah, so so did I, and um, so did Jack. Yeah, they we're probably close. I agree. Yeah. It was, I think, um, the chemistry with that you've referenced there, Sean, was similar to kind of how we explained with the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger and Christian Bale with Batman yeah, and Joker. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. There we go. I'll give you the score now. It's been a close week. A lot of draws, wasn't there? Yeah. So it's um, seven four to. Man on Fire was a pick, and I'm glad yeah. it wasn't a tie because um, we were tied on which did you prefer and rewatchability. So <laughs> we would have gone down to best quote, which Man on Fire would have taken in the case of a tie. But may actually, if we get there, put it so uh, best moment scene takes precedence over best quote when it comes to action rather than comedy because I think that makes yeah, more sense. Yeah, should be. Yeah. Agree. yeah. Yeah, but fair. yes, seven four um, to Man on Fire. Sorry, Sean, but hey, you can still rewatch it in your own time. True, true. So Man on Fire goes through to face Gladiator in round two. And it's not as big a, a tragedy as Bruce Almighty. This this is a bit of a fair one. Sex Drive deserved to beat Bruce Almighty, and I won't hear you say otherwise again. <laughs> and so next week we have. Casino Royale against Crank. That is a clash of styles. Yes, it, it is. is. I've been looking forward to this one since uh, me and Keenan um, drew up the bracket. Crank's safer, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think. Um, I mean, it would be an upset if if uh, Crank took the W. But is I'm looking one, forward. Is Crank the one with his with his heart? Yeah, yes, mate. I see you got it. Race. Yeah. There we go. But we still have some 
last points to consider before we uh, close out. Um, real star of the film. So for the fugitive, I know you said uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones there. I still thought Harrison Ford was the star for me. In terms of performance, etc. Tom, I think Tommy Lee Jones just battered him. He's fucking brilliant in every scene he's in. What's something that spun me was I know I told you, Keenan, that I watched No Country for Old Men at the weekend. Mm-hmm. So considering that was what 2007, 2008, and this 2007. was ninety three, he barely looks any difference in age. I genuinely, I don't know if this is true, but I'm convinced he's had Botox somewhere along the way. He must have done, but his face he still is just has that rugged look. Yeah, but is it like, or maybe not? But I don't know what the alternate is, but. His face just doesn't seem to move. <laughs> that centre mast of his face just doesn't seem to, to move. He's a puppet. Um, real star in a film of a man on fire. Yeah. Anyone say anything other than Denzel? <laughs> no. Sean? Peter? Yeah, great show. Does, does get a special nod, but you don't. Denzel for me. It's pretty much Denzel in every Denzel film, though. Yeah, and there was no. Yeah, um, is there any film where he's not not been the star? Or if he's not the star, he he just still he steals it. It's just it's kind of like like Safe House is one two punch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Two so, Guns is, is supposed to be a buddy sort of comedy ish sort of thing, but even that. Sean suggested he, that might be his wild card. Oh, nice, nice. I actually had a dream that, that okay. we did the wild card last night, and my pick was Small Soldiers. Meanwhile, you can fuck off with that, so I'm okay. Which we did, <laughs> we did. Uh, I did put forward for this bracket. Thank you. Please don't say we. You, you considered. <laughs> um, there was no fan theories for this one, like there was for last week. So, well, well I, I checked in one about uh, Cosmo being the chief. You did. Uh, recasting one role. I any have any, any uh, want to put forward? I'm really bad at this because I like, I, I pretty much like the, like Denzel, no, I don't ever want to recast him. Um, Christopher Walken, I don't want to recast because I just like him and everything he's in. Do you know, there was some talk of Alec Baldwin taking uh, Tommy Lee Jones's role in. I don't, I don't want to see that. No, no, you don't. I'm just saying that no, was one of the, uh, I don't like Alec Baldwin either, for some reason. I know it sounds weird, but when I think US Marshals, I think Southern Draw, so it's got to be someone from the South. So Tommy Lee Jones does fit it perfectly. Josh Brolin in the remake. Oh, great shout. That's a great shout, that. I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, If you are remaking it, Sean, who would you want to be Harrison Ford? (laughs) For some reason, I thought you might ask a question. For some reason, Owen Wilson has popped in my head, but I don't know. <laughs> when I thought of it yesterday, I had Tim Allen come into my head. Tim Allen? That's not bad. Too old for me. Kuzak? Oh, Kuzak and Brolin. That's a that's a world you have to admit. In a remake, if you want if you wanted someone else to replace Tommy Lee, you can get John Hamm in there. Yeah, also good. I'd take Brolin, I think. Um, 
that is a that's a hell of a little remake there. If, if someone ever wishes to finance <laughs> it, someone wants to lend me 150 million to make it, I'll be I'll duly obliged. <laughs> yeah, um, spitballing Pod Studios. Yeah, if anyone's got a cool 150 mil line around pounds and not dollars, obviously. Um, if the cast swapped, which film works best? Well, I can't. Don't think Lupita. Lupita obviously isn't great at getting away, so the film doesn't. She go could too be killed. Far, Mm, fair. Yeah, it could Denzel's be the daughter wife. getting killed instead of the wife. So what, Rayburn comes in in the Tommy Lee Jones role? <laughs> yeah. Or actually, no, I think I think I've probably swapped that. I know Walken's a bit older, so he might not be running around a lot, but I think I'd want Denzel chasing Christopher Walken rather than, rather than the other way around. And um, if you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock, so we, we said last week, I think, that we were going to do it where... You put one in one movie and one in the other. Mm. The Rocket Man on Fire and Tom Cruise in The Fugitive, in my opinion. The Rock can do... The Rock basically did do Denzel's role in Walking Tall. Mm. Yeah. Was, yeah, so you're saying The Rock, the Rocket Man on Fire, is that right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, Tom Cruise in The Fugitive. I could probably see Tom Cruise... In Man on Fire, but I couldn't see The Rock in The Fugitive, so that's why I probably agree with you. <laughs> yeah, my only issue with Harrison Ford from a lot of the film, by necessity, because he's a fugitive, so he can hardly run around shouting, shouting and screaming because someone might notice him. But he's quite, he's quite understated, and I don't know how often I've seen Tom Cruise do understated. It's my only issue with he's, it, but yeah, you, you he's are. He's blending well in that um, parade. You wouldn't be able to see him. Exactly. Once he's three rows deep, he's fucking four foot ten, so no one's going to see him, are they? Um, we didn't have any Rex Ryan Hall of Famers in this week, did we? No, I mean, we had people that are obviously early in their careers, but it wouldn't yeah. be like a cameo, like Jane Lynch, it's obviously in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah not really. There we go. Well, I think that does us. So we've got Casino Royale cranked next week. Hopefully, we'll have Jack back with us. And then. So we've got next week and then three more and then it's uh, Christmas bracket. So yeah, take a brief uh, time out. When's do we have the I think the marquee matchup of the first round before that breakup, the three hundred versus taken? I'm pretty sure that's the last week before we break up. <laughs> break up for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, it is, because the first week back is Terminator 2 against Dread. Okay. So we've got to come Casino Royale Crank, Kingsman against The Born Identity, Deadpool against John Wick, and 300 against Taken. Sheesh. Got some big weeks there. But anyway, thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.